Hello everyone, and welcome to Primius, the down-to-earth Hasidus podcast. In this episode, we're going to explore a very interesting uh, Kabbalistic concept that gives us the connection between Purim and Pesach. We're on Shushan Purim Cotton, which is the small Purim. You know, we have an extra month because the lunar year is 30 days, 30, 30 and a half. Um, days shorter than the solar year, and we need the Yom Tevin to fall on the right season. That's why the Chachomim added one other every two or three years. And basically, that's the, the extra month of the Shonome Uvedes. And then there was a question, when to make Purim? Do you make Purim on the first other or the second? And Chazal, the Chachomim, decided that we're going to make it on the second. The extra is like the first one, and the original is the second. Why? But why do we do that? So Purim and Pesach could be close together. And that's called in, in the Gemara, Mismach Geulo Le Geulo. Let's put together redemption with the re- redemption, the redemption of Purim next to the redemption of Pesach. So we don't have, if we would make Purim on the first month, then you have an empty month and then Pesach. But like this, you have month with redemption and the following month also with redemption. Now, Besides for meaning just a technical, uh, you know, a technical attachment of party month, um, there is a very deep connection, according to Kabbalah. If you understand truly what Yetzias Mitzrayim and what Purim really mean in the soul of the person, in the avoid of a Jew, in your connection with Hashem, spiritually speaking, then you'll see that's actually the same idea. And that's why um, it goes, like it matches, it's correct, to put, to put them together. And we'll start by the concept of Esther's name. Esther was not her Jewish name. Her Jewish name was Adasa. And Esther means, I will be concealed. I'll hide. Esther had to hide her Jewish identity. Um, if, um, if I remember right, I think Ishtar is a Persian name, so she used a local name, so to speak. In Hebrew, we call it Esther, but um, in, in Persian it's Ishtar or something like that. And basically in Hebrew, it means concealing yourself. Mordechai told her, hey, don't say you're Jewish. You know, it can bring problems. For the time being, keep it hidden. Eventually, the right time will come. And she listened to him. And that represents kind of the entire Golus situation that the Jews were in at the time and that many times we, we still are. That, you know, you need to hide your Judaism in order to be freer in a society that judges Eden and you have to hide to do mitzvahs for how, how many stories. We have literally millions of stories in Russia and everywhere. Even I remember as a kid in Argentina, many times people would tell me like when I was like, let's say 11, 12, I already started you know, taking the train or the, the bus by myself, and people would comment, you're in the street and someone comes over and he's like, hey, I'm also Jewish, you know, but I, I don't think you should wear the kippah in the bus. Like, you could attract violence or something. Maybe wear a baseball cap. I remember the feeling. People would say it all the time. I grew up like that. And many times you went through places where you, got, you felt afraid and you just put your titties inside your pants and you put a baseball cap and you walk fast. And, and even though... It's Bichlad because it's like a third world country and it's dangerous, but, but being Jewish was adding an extra grain of salt and pepper to the danger, so to speak. 
And we got used to, we got used to living like that because that's what it means to be Jewish sometimes. And in the words of the Zohar, that the Altarebbe quotes in this mimer, or I didn't mention what mimer it is, um, it's Vayoyshet HaMelech Le'ester of Teiro Oir, and then Zohar, Zohar Esashor Solcho Amolek also of Teiro Oir, in Tetzaven, in Megillah Esther. Um, in any case, the Altarebbe quotes a Zohar, the Zohar says it about something else, about Chochma and Bino, but regarding this topic, the Altarebbe connects it with this topic of Esther, hiding her Jewish identity, it says that Esther hiding her Jewish identity is actually each one of us. We're all Esther. It's our neshama. Esther is our neshama. And sometimes our neshama has to, has to or is hidden. And the expression of the Zohar uses is nekudo beheicholo. It's hard to translate, but honestly, even in, in Aramaic, in the original Hebrew, it's an interesting, uh, um, intriguing expression. Nekudo Beicholo means a dot in a chamber, chamber, like a little dot point, like a speck of dust inside of a huge ballroom. That's an expression in Zoya. And if you get to understand that, it's amazing. I love the expression. You walk into a big, big hall, like amazing, luxurious, beautiful, huge, and you're... uh, your attention is all about like, wow, look at this place. What do you care about one little speck of dust that's in the middle of it or in the corner of it? You won't even pay attention to it. And yet the dot, the little point, it's there, hidden in the big chamber, hidden in the big room. And that's how your neshoma feels sometimes, says Altrebe in Golus. That's how Esther felt. She was in an incredible palace and she had a comfortable life. Amazing, she was a queen. Even before becoming a queen, just to get prepared to see if the king likes her, they would uh, treat them with like six, like six months of, of, of whatever, oils and massages and things, and then another six months of bathing in perfumes day and night. They, they were literally living in a crazy spa for 12 months, just to see if the king likes her. Imagine once she becomes a queen, but what her life looked like. It's all pleasures and easy and beautiful, and yet, Within all that big palace, she felt like the little dot in the room, like a lost identity inside of a big thing that conceals you and doesn't let you expand. The expression there in the, in, in the mimer is that the, the little point doesn't have expansion. It can't be big enough to occupy the whole room. It's just a tiny thing that doesn't, you know, doesn't take any space, it's not important. That's how her identity, her Jewishness, was inside of the palace. And the Altarebbe says that that refers <clears throat> to the Jewish neshama, when our neshama is concealed inside of, in our case, everything, starting from ourselves. So in order to understand this, the Altarebbe defines Bichlal, what's a neshama? This is already in Zohar. What is a neshama? What is a Jewish soul? And this is an incredible concept. It's a known concept in Pedicut Ches and Yutes of Tanya that the Altarebbe calls the Neshoma a Shalheves, like a flame, a fire. In the example of, it's a Posuk, of course. The soul of the person is the candle of Hashem and it's called the, 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 the fire, the flame of Hashem. Shalheves um, Yudkei. Why is the Neshoma compared to a fire? 
Because if you look at a candle, just like a fire on a candle is always trying to like with interesting and interesting uh, anxiousness, always trying to escape and to run off. We don't know where, but the fire is like, oh, like, no, let me go. Just like, let me go. And the wick is like, "Uh uh-uh, you got to stay here. The wick is like an anchor to the fire and the fire feels like moving and going the whole time. It's like a kind of spiritual anxiousness, I would call it. It's a desire to transcend. It's a spiritual desire to move up, to go higher. Higher from what? Doesn't matter, from whatever. From your own personality, from your seichel amides, from the limitation of the world, from the garments that society makes you believe that it's you. So in the words of the Mimer, it says that that's elevating, that constant elevating flame is your etzem and efesh called nekuda salev. Again, we're talking about the dot, the point, the quintessential um, part of the soul. And that's called the nekudo. In Yiddish, we say pintelerid, like a point, a dot. And, and that is surrounded by levushim. And now we go on to the, um, we go on to the, um, Babushka example, like the Nishom is the etzem of that fire that goes up and it's surrounded or, 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 or covered up with clothings, with costumes. And those, those things that cover her could be your own Seichel and Mides, your intellect, your, your emotional powers. You see, we call Seichel and Mides the koiches of the Nishomo, the abilities of the soul. And it's true, a rock, or whatever, I think without a nishomo cannot have consciousness and emotions, at least if you're an animal, then you have a little bit of a spark of a soul, and that's why they have a very basic intellect and instinct. A human being has much higher, Aid has a whole different level than officially kiss, but those levels of consciousness, of course, come from the soul. And yet, the soul itself is not your IQ or your ability to feel emotions. The nefesh itself is the constant going up. And then it gets included inside of Seichel and Mides. Seichel and Mides are expressions of that neshama. And this is where I, I just got this chap uh, this week that I think it's an incredible point. I mentioned in class, I think, a few days ago, that according to this, like Al-Pichsides, neshama is not a noun. It's a verb. You're not, you don't have a neshama. We're not calling the name of something. Neshama is not a something. It's a happening thing. It's a verb. It's a, you're neshamiing, so to speak. Neshama is the constant spiritual move to transcend. That's the definition of neshama. In other words, there is no definition because it's a constant moving thing. That's why the whole concept in Chesid is about being a mehalech, Mitzvah I think next week we'll make a podcast on that concept. That the Neshom is a constant walking soul. It's a Neshoming, not a Neshama. It's a moving thing. Now, that constant quest for transcendence expresses through an, an Yiddish intelligence and, and, and lave and heart. And then it expresses even further through Machshova, the Wurmaise, thought, speech, and action, 
thought is when your neshama talks to yourself. Speech is when your neshama talks to the world. In action also, even more. And then the neshama gets even included in the klipas noig of the nefesh abamis, because bottom line, we're also an animal who needs to survive and likes money and sugar and, and things. And so the nefesh adikis, which is originally just a transcending force, has to be expressed through specific limited conscious ideas and feelings, even of nefesh adikis, that then turn into practical words and actions of trying to survive and getting more money and more sugar and more whatever. And that's when the neshama feels like a speck of dust in a big ballroom. That's when the neshama feels like, oh my gosh, there is so many clippers surrounding me. How do I, man-? like, that's why, the, that's why it's like the fire that wants to go and the wick that wants to hold it. Now, that's the definition of being in time. We go now to, to Mitzrayim and Yetzirah's Mitzrayim. When the Neshoma doesn't manage to get expressed in any way, oh, because, so we said that the Etzim and Neshoma is this Shalheves, this fire of Hashem, and it has many, many garments. But then, throughout life, a Jew must make sure that his Neshoma gets revealed. And there are many ways of reveal it, revealing it. You can do it with Seichel, with Mides, with Machshobah de Wurmaiseh, and those levushim could actually, instead of conceal the neshama, help her be expressed. You could dance with happiness of Shodor, dance to the music and love Hashem, and that's an emotional expression of the neshama. Like the fire of the neshama expresses through this dance and, and uh, ispailus. Or the neshama could express itself through learning a deep concept of Torah. And that's an intellectual way of expressing the neshama. You could express your neshama with the pasuk tehillim. You can, it's like the, the famous Ayom Yom, the Alter Rebbe says that people think that the avoido is to destroy mountains and the farik horim shavar sloim, like destroy the mountains and take apart the stones. And it's not. You don't need to do crazy things. The avoido could be something simple, like learning a pirush. Rashi, like a posuk chumash with Pirush Rashi, or saying a, cap, a capital of Tehillim with a with a with kavanah with a drop in your eyes, with a tear in your eyes, like saying something out of your heart. That's already the revelation of your neshama. So there are many many ways to reveal your neshama, and whichever way the Eibister has naches and he gives you chayus and and he fulfills your mission in the world. What happens though when the neshama is totally concealed? When you only see the down um, um, pointing arrow, the anchor, and not the up pointing arrow. You realize that the distance between your neshama and any of all the levushim we mentioned, your intellect, your emotions, your speech, uh, thought, speech, action, your physical body, your nefesh all of those garments, all of those have one thing in common. They're definite. They're limited, they're structured, and they point down. They're always trying to land. And the neshoma is the opposite, always trying to take off. That's where the tension between me and me <laughs> gets created. And that's what makes us so special, <laughs> crazy, amazing to be Jewish. Because you have a huge neshoma that pulls upwards and a huge everything else that pushes downwards. Now, if all those levushim don't let the upwards 
push be revealed, if you don't have any transcendence in your life, if you don't have any quest for going beyond, beyond whatever, beyond public opinion, beyond, beyond something, if you're not moving upwards, you're not letting your neshama express. You're just being a limited physical being. And then your neshama feels like Esther in the palace, like a nekudo veicholo, like a Jew in Mitzrayim. As opposed to that, going out of Mitzrayim is letting that dot expand. Breaking the cycle, getting the onion undressed is what I call it. The onion is like full of clippers, right? It's all like a tzibal is also and it's all full of uh, garments and more garments. And the avoid of a Jew in life is like to open up, open up, open up the gates. Seushorim Roshechen, open up the, 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 all the, the garments and let the Neshoma come out. Okay, what does it look like in the life of a Jew if you live with the neshama revealed or, and the dot expanded or if you live only with the neshama concealed with the dot in the corner of the room? That's a difference, says the Alter Rebbe, fasten your seat belts because this is the strong part of the concept. That's a difference between emuna and Da'as. Believing or knowing. Even though we know that Da'as doesn't mean really knowing, it's much more. Das is ve'odom yodas chavo. It's a deep connection. It's a commitment. It's becoming one. Das is when you know elokus, when you comprehend it, when you have this inner sensation, sentiment, feeling, connection. That's where the wealth is. And emuna is called poverty. It says in Pesach, I will take you out of the poverty of Mitzrayim and will take you to the land that emanates milk. How do you say emanates? Flows, milk and honey. Wait, Begashim music wasn't exactly like that. Mitzrayim was a great empire and Israel was a place that they had to go to Mitzrayim because they were hungry. In here, there was nothing in there. It's a tiny, not so whatever place and, and, and Mitzrayim was very fruitful and successful. But Baruch news, in Mitzrayim, all they had was their emuna, And that's poverty. It's a huge concept. Wait, we need to explain, obviously. Emuno itself is not poor or poverty. But having only the Emuno as a dot, somewhere hidden inside your huge hole, ballroom, and not letting it express, then the Emuno inside you, it's like a poor thing. Not that the Emuno itself, the Emuno itself is a huge spiritual koyach. It can, they say faith moves mountains. So Emuno is an incredible thing. It can make you a mysterious nefesh and give your life away. But when you have that Emuno hidden as a little tiny dot in the very, very, very end of the corner of the in, inner world, then you're very poor because that Emuno doesn't do much in you. So much so that in Chisiris, we always use the example of the Ganev, sorry, the thief that's, um, you know, right before going to steal, he says, Hashem, please help me. So that, just like the speck in the room didn't do much, didn't affect much, so did his emuna. He could believe in Hashem and still do the wrong thing because the emuna is not expanded. How do you make sure that your emuna becomes the elephant in the room? How do you make sure that the emuna takes up the space inside you? You need to be willing to make, to pump 
nurture the amuno, inflate it, make it huge, make it the big elephant in the room, and let it take the space that it must. You need to enrich and nurture your amuno with what? What is the milk and honey that you nurse the amuno with? Knowledge of elokus, da'as, and feelings, seichen and mides. You need to bring the locus into your knowledge. And that's how, listen to this, this is incredible, how the, the Alter Rebbe retranslates the words, the first posuk of, after Shema Yisrael, we make the big declaration, Hashem Elikeinu Hashem Echod, and then we say, what? Hashem You should love Hashem your God with all your heart. This mean love Hashem your God. Why just love your God or love Hashem? And we know that is your God. So the Alter explains it like this, not literally, not just literally, love Hashem your God with all your heart. He says like this, love, as in desire, want, a Jew should want, should strive for, that Hashem should become your God. Where? Bechol lebovecho, in all of your ballroom, in your entire heart. Don't keep Hashem in the back of your mind in your amuno. You should desire, you should wish for Hashem to occupy your entire heart. When you do that through Isboinenus, meditation, knowing, understanding, connecting, becoming one, feeling identified, enjoying it, loving it, understanding it, I don't know which, <laughs> any, any more words to use for it. When you put all of your inner conscious connection to it, then it occupies your head. And when that happens, you're rich. When that happens, you're not just limited to a Mitzrayim that keeps your Amun as a little dot in a corner. Now, now you know it. Now you're connected. Now you're part of it. And that's an amazing thing because faith could move mountains, but it can't give them value in the place they are. And that's what Das does. The inner Das is what gives value to your being. It's what makes the Elokus be expanded inside yourself. And then Esther comes out of the Golusdik closet, so to speak. Now her Jewish identity could be expressed. Now your Neshama could play freely inside you. Now the speck is not a speck anymore. Now it's huge. That connects with the, 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 one of the cutest and probably earliest Hasidic stories you've probably heard. When Rabbi Levi Yitzchok of Berdichov, you know, back in the day, people would work. They, they wouldn't learn in yeshiva. It was too expensive and too unsustainable. It was impossible. Like they would literally have to farm in order to survive. So each family would choose one kid that they make the big effort to send them to yeshiva and to pay for him. And, and within communities, they also would like pick, and, and although they would get married very young, when they saw a kid in yeshiva that his mamish, he, he has what it takes, he's got it. He has the vision, the depth, the intelligence. So they're like, you know what? They, they would make a shidduch with the rich guy of the community, he marries the daughter of the rich guy, and then he can support him for him to learn many more years and then actually become the rov, the guide, and the, the eyes of the, of the kehila. And that's how it was. So Rabbi Yitzchok Obradicho was a genius already from a uh, from young age, and he was uh, ilu in Toido, and they got him married to a very rich guy. So his wife was a rich girl, 
And the father-in-law supported him and he learned Torah. Then when he heard of the Magid, he went to his father-in-law. He's like, I'm asking you Rishus. I'm moving with your daughter for just a couple of years. I need to learn Chesidus. I want to move to Mezrich. I want to learn this deeper perspective of Torah. And the father-in-law was an opponent of Chesidus. He wasn't so like, what? No, 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 no. It's not a word. Don't do crazy things. Stay, where, stay put where you are. You're learning, okay? I'm supporting you. Everything is perfect. You don't have to look for crazy things. No, no, no. I need to. I have to. I want to. He consulted with his wife. She was willing. And he said, if you go, you will not see a penny anymore from me. And they made their decision and they left. And they literally gave up a comfortable, easy, rich life for absolutely physical poverty. And in those years, poverty was not that you can't afford the most expensive restaurant. Poverty meant like freezing and dying from cold and hunger, literally. And yet they went all the way just for discovering Hasidus. And he learned by the Magid, I don't remember how long, a couple of years, whatever. And then when they came back, he came back a complete Hasid and a future Rebbe, Admur. And, and, and his father-in-law was like, you know, mocking him like, oh, look at the big Kabbalist, uh, Mekubo, like you, you went to learn Hasidus, no? What did you discover? Tell me the big Hidush, no? And he said, what do you mean? I learned the big Hidush, no, what is it? That there is a Shem, there is a God. The guy's like, you're kidding me? We're talking here about Tamid Chachomim, whatever. He calls the girl in the kitchen, a, a poor girl who didn't have access to schools, as it's known. She didn't even know how to read. And she's like, do you believe in Hashem? She's like, yes, of course. Okay, thank you. That's all. You can go back to the kitchen. And he's like, you see? Is that what the big Tamid Chachem went to learn? Anybody knows that. And he says, yeah. You know the difference? She believes in Hashem. I know Hashem. And that's a huge difference. She's poor, I'm rich, spiritually speaking. And it's interesting that he had to leave behind like material wealth, wealth and well-being to go discover and get his spiritual wealth. And it's the same thing with Mitzrayim. We left a rich country to go to a not even like empty place to start from zero. And that's what the Avister calls going out from poverty to richness, to wealth. Because the real wealth is when you know Hashem deep inside. Then you don't need anything. Actually, the only insane, crazy, gosh music quest for money and the next taiva, it's all a race to find cover-ups for your inner emptiness. Do you see that? When you look for a taiva, when you're like, I want an education, I want social position, I want everyone to respect me, I want to be the biggest, I don't know what, shliach, and the one who talks in the kingdom of shluchim or whatever, I want to be the biggest guy, I want to be the one respected, the one with all the power, with all the money, with all the time, with all the sugar, with all the whatever it is that you fill in the blank, that's all you're doing, trying to fill in the blank. Because you have an emptiness, because your ballroom is empty, because your speck is just a little speck in a corner. And you will always be poor, no matter how many millions you're managing. The true wealth is to let your speck of Amuna become a knowledge of Hashem. And then, He doesn't need anything. He's happy. He's rich with whatever he has because he has the full connection with the Evishter deep inside. That's what it means. I'll take you out of the land of poverty and I'll bring you to the land 
that flows with honey and milk. Going out of Mitzrayim is a growing your ruchnius deep inside to the point that Esther can take off her mask and actually let the little point, the little pintelerid, occupy the entire ballroom. That's the Geula of Purim, and that's the Geula of Pesach. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see each other again next week with the session.